Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And normally uh, <laughs> this time of year in the uh, second week of August, uh, things are pretty quiet, but not this year. A lot of stuff going on. Um, we have this conflagration in the caucuses, uh, so we'll give out some brain damage awards about that. The Olympics start. We have the... Two uh, brain damage awards about media coverage there. I'll get into it in a moment. We have the uh, anthrax uh, developments, and uh, we apparently have a new theme of demand destruction regarding oil prices, which we'll get to. The saga of Kwame Kilpatrick. Boy, that's weird. <laughs> that guy needs to uh, drop out of being Detroit's mayor and see if he can uh, write a screenplay for a movie. <laughs> uh, and then Ron Suskind's uh, very explosive book. Um, he had a, an interview, by the way, on Fresh Air last week that was quite good. You may want to podcast it if you want to hear a solid hour of... Uh, Revelations that are in the the book that was just published last week. I don't think we need to comment about John Edwards. That's a non-story in my book. Yeah. Personal uh, matters. Personal matters that are turned into soap operas. But I guess uh, maybe the big story of the week really is this uh, Georgia-Russian conf Russia conflagration that John McCain has called Russian aggression. Uh, the media, for the last couple of days, has been foisting a myth on the American voters that somehow John McCain, because of his experience, would be more apt to uh, deal with a situation like this. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I understand how his experience as a Air Force pilot and POW lends him any more credibility with regards to foreign policy matters. Yeah, an Air Force pilot that got shot down. Um, and, of course, uh, we'll give him a brain damage award for uh, mispronouncing the president of Georgia's names three times while he's extolling his own virtues, hoisting his own petard on the American people about uh, how many times he's met with the man in the last several weeks. Uh, calling this Russian aggression, I think, is uh, a bit of a overstatement. This is far more complicated. Both of these... Uh, so-called autonomous regions um, have been, well, there were, there were wars there in the 90s. Uh, this uh, South Ossetia, by the way, is, is very close to Chechnya, mm -hmm. and the United States said virtually nothing. When Edward Shevardnadze was president of uh, Georgia, there were yeah. rumblings of this kind. Yeah, and um, it's quite clear that the president of Georgia uh, miscalculated. He's the one that started the... Indeed, conflagration, as the as the uh, chronology specifically states, and needless to say, the United States uh, recognizing Kosovo as an autonomous region of Serbia earlier this year uh, has only created ambivalence, confusion, and open hostility towards the the, the Soviet uh, former Soviet Union, Russia. And, of course, it's the expansion of NATO um, that's complicated things. So this is a much more complicated story than, quote, Russian aggression. So we'll give John McCain a brain damage award. He's obviously jumped on the 
let's support Georgia bandwagon. Yeah, uh, Obama well, has been a little more circumspect, but the the facts are the United States at the moment can do uh, very little uh, militarily. Well, it's already more involved than is widely recognized, and I'll get to that in a moment. But if you look at a map of this region, this idea that it's Russian aggression plays into the old British imperialist fantasy, or paranoia, rather, that eventually Russia is going to come down from the south to seek the uh, the warm water port. Um, but, of course, natural resources are uh, at stake here. There's already been some disruption. The pipeline that goes from Baku through Tbilisi and uh, into Turkey, which, of course, there was a, an explosion on this pipeline on the Turkish end. The PKK claimed responsibility. That's the Kurdish uh, separatist group. Um, yeah, so the Kurds were behind the explosion. Nothing actually that had anything to do with this Georgia-Russian uh, shelling or whatever but this region is highly sensitive at the moment and the mystery is why as of july 16th 2008 the u.s was involved in training troops in georgia that is georgian troops amid what were already rising tensions and this is from an article by uh, Roman Oliercek in the July 16th Financial Times. U.S. troops yesterday began a military training exercise in Georgia amid growing friction between Russia and the strategically important Western ally in the volatile Caucasus region. Strategically important? Well, you might want to ask yourself, what's so strategically important for America about Georgia? Right. It's really of, uh, it's a very nebulous claim there. Of course, uh, the U.S. is pushing for the expansion of NATO. Georgia wanted to be a member. Why the North Atlantic Treaty Organization should reach all the way around. I mean, it was already kind of questionable for Turkey to have been a member. But to reach all the way through there into the Caspian Sea with NATO is uh, quite a bold-faced move the exercise the military exercise by the way was called by the u.s military immediate response 2008 mm -hmm. and then you factor into this also that there are israeli military advisors uh in the field uh advising the georgians who are using american military supplies now. right um there's something more going on here than uh, McCain is willing to talk about and that Bush certainly is in denial. He's over there clapping his hands and standing up whenever an American walks onto a, a performance field. Yes, but, uh, cheering on Michael Phelps and learning the fundamentals of volleyball. So uh, this is a, a, a very uh, obscure and uh, dangerous uh, moment here in the Caucasus region and uh, what the United States is doing, uh, instigating this by supplying Georgia, uh, sending in military advisors, it's barking up the wrong tree. Well, and the thing, the key here is obviously the president of Russia, of Georgia, not the governor of Georgia here in the United States, but he is a, uh, quote, westernized um, ally of the United States in Iraq. Uh, that's fascinating mm -hmm. that... Uh, one of his most immediate um, calls to arms, so to speak, was uh, to announce the withdrawal of Georgian troops from Iraq. So Georgia is one of the few remaining uh, members of the coalition of the willing, so to speak, or as Tom Tolls like to jokingly call them, the coalition of the billing. Um, this is the, you know, the back-scratching um, activity that goes on. And... 
Yeah, it it, it is certainly uh, speculation on our part that the United States may have had a role in some of the recent violence because it's been reported that there were, shall we say, violent incidents involving shootings and military shelling and whatnot in both of these regions in recent weeks. It's North Ossetia, which is in Russia, and South Ossetia, which is in Georgia. Yeah, and also in the Abkhazi region. So it, it's very interesting because there's no, uh, quote, claim of responsibility, but maybe there was a deliberate uh, <clears throat> provocative move or causus belli or whatever. And to listen to uh, conservative pundit Robert Kagan uh, say that this is, I heard him interviewed today on NPR, and he was calling this the the equivalent of World War One or the start, startings of World War One, and I just uh, don't see it that Dude, way. Dude, we're already up to World War Three. So <laughs> World War One, it's over. Yeah, actually, much of the many of the problems in the world today and the geopolitical arrangements can be linked back directly to World War One. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, another way of looking at this too is that this is just more of the regional instability that's been one of the many tragic consequences of this blunder in Iraq. Indeed, and needless to say, this only complicates things. Um, and of course, it's interesting that uh, the pipeline was blown up by Kurdish rebels, Kurdish separatists, who of course... Um, have certainly, you know, the whole Kurdish Kurdish issue has complicated the the situation in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bizarre that the uh, United States, by the way, continues to make a distinction between a timetable for withdrawal and quote time horizons. I don't know if that's a new rock song by <laughs> Eno and Bowie, <laughs> <laughs> but it's got potential. Time horizons. Uh, this is yet another... Maybe they're confused. Al Stewart's time passages. Yeah. Um, there's definitely confusion uh, rampant uh, everywhere in the, in the United States. And it's very bizarre that in response to these actual oil disruption supplies... Um, that the oil market has come down recently in, mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks... I'd like to point out, though, that it's only come down to levels that it was at in late June, and that uh, oil, the global price for oil uh, went over the uh, $100 a barrel number back in late February, early March of this past year. Um, It's come down, quote-unquote, back to the levels that it was at that coincided with the... uh, unbelievably hawkish rhetoric from the transportation minister of Israel, as well as the United States and the whole Iranian thing. Uh, Dick Cheney, we'll give him a brain damage award, he uh, made a comment to the effect that this, quote, aggression will not stand. I'm paraphrasing, but he actually used that phrase, will not stand, echoing Bush's father's rhetoric Mm -hmm. about Saddam Hussein's invasion of Iraq that the United States uh, may have... Uh, Kuwait. Kuwait, yeah. Of, of uh, Saddam Hussein's invasion of Kuwait that the United States may have had well, a wink and nod role in. Hmm. Who knows? Well, insofar as the uh, falling oil prices are concerned, it's important to remember that uh, 
this is is more complex than it seems too that uh so-called demand destruction the refusal of individuals and companies to buy demand destruction another potential title for a song i think <laughs> maybe that's on the new motorhead record they have a new record coming out later this month um but as uh, tony jackson observed in uh, august 4th uh, column in the financial times that a falling oil price can also signal fall a fall in economic activity and that's something we've certainly seen a lot of here regionally in Michigan. Yeah, and, and some of the, quote, demand destruction is actually connected with China, just simply shutting industry down, uh, pretty much declaring a three-month or three-week uh, holiday, for, and even imposing driving restrictions yep. uh, in uh, Beijing, uh, you know, as recently as three weeks ago, to reduce the smog for the... Uh, the athletes uh, in Beijing, um, China's uh, pollution record is... Uh, well, it's bad. I mean, you can see it yeah. on, on your TV screen. It's uh, amazing. Speaking of, uh, we may as well get this out of the way because it's a minor point, but it is a cultural point. Millions of people all over the country, uh, hundreds of millions of people, uh, no doubt, are watching the Olympics. And, of course, here in... Uh, Southeast Michigan, we have the uh, advantage of having access to Canadian broadcasts. Now, they've become a little bit more nationalistic in their uh, Canadian drum thumping uh, over the last couple of Olympics, but NBC gets a total brain damage award on a number of levels here. The opening ceremonies. You know, the whole concept of the Olympics is, you know, peaceful interaction you know uh countries of the world uh, the athletes who have nothing to do with politics uh coming together to compete in the uh, spirit of uh human achievement etc cetera, etc cetera. but the commentators on nbc uh took the uh, liberty to do some bashing of uh venezuela Mm -hmm. Iran, all the usual suspects. And so, in fact, one of the commentators on NBC said, well, I apologize for having to talk about this, but uh, this is just the way the world is. As Iran, you know, and the, the Iranian athletes were marching into the uh, stadium there. And I was thinking to myself, well, then, if you have to apologize for it, well, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it at all. Right. You should talk about, well, there are more women on the Iranian team or something this year. Or who is their star athlete to focus on and say something nice about? But now NBC uh, takes the advantage of the opportunity to bash the traditional enemies. And furthermore, there, were, there was no female voice. There were just these two sports guys uh, ill-equipped to comment on political matters. Um, and uh, no female voice at all to raise interesting points. You know, some of the costumes and the uh, uh, the the garbs, the traditional uh, things that uh, some of the athletes were wearing. This is fun for people to watch. You know, this is a chance to see what other countries are like in uh, some ways. And so why shut a female voice out altogether and uh, why bash the political enemies? Just unfortunate. Unfortunate, but not surprising. No, not at all. But, um, uh, I, I'm curious. I, I missed the whole opening day business completely, but I was curious to know, did the United States dip the flag? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I didn't see that uh, moment since uh, W was there. Yeah, well, I heard an interesting... <clears throat> Is the, flag, the flag isn't supposed to be dipped for anybody, though. 
Well, that was that was the whole interesting story behind the issue of America not dipping the flag. Yeah. This apparently was a tradition that goes back to the 1908 Olympics uh, in London, and the bearer of the flag at the time. Apparently, you're supposed to dip the flag for the monarch. Mm -hmm. I think at the time it was George the Fifth. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was the Fifth. One of those Georges. They keep spinning around in my brain. All I know is George III is in charge of America right now. And right. <laughs> George III of England was deemed a raving lunatic at a certain point for a variety of reasons. Very uh, entertaining movie, by the way. If you ever, oh, yeah, The Madness of King George. If you yeah. ever get a chance to see the madness of King George with... Uh, Nigel Hawthorne, I believe. Mm. Superb uh, acting performance in that one. But anyway, getting back to the dipping the flag, America, there was a rumor that we may finally dip the flag. This this had been a, a tradition that America had never dipped the, the flag mm. before, uh, dating back to the 1908 uh, Olympics, in which the flag bearer at the time, probably some burly Greco-Roman... <laughs> Rassler, who uh, probably trained by drinking plenty of uh, cake and ale, <laughs> rather than any uh, <laughs> real training going on, he he made a comment: "We Americans don't dip no flag for no mo monarch," you know, along those lines. And I was curious to to know what the you know to. Outcome of that was, but uh, yeah, I missed the opening ceremonies. Well, Kissinger uh, can be spotted there in the stand as well, sitting in front of uh, W. Of course, China is one of the few countries that he can travel to safely without being extradited uh, to uh, testify for his uh, knowledge and participation in the coup in Chile. Yeah, I'm wondering, by the way, how the chauffeur for... Dick Cheney and George Bush, how he's <laughs> might fare in future days. How he's feeling these days, given the fact that Bin Laden's uh, chauffeur was <clears throat> convicted of uh, aiding and abetting, you know, sort of the lesser charge, but material support for terrorism uh, in uh, Guantanamo, one of our brilliant uh, public relations maneuvers <laughs> regarding the war on terrorism. So a general brain damage award for that. Um, oh, Kilpatrick, let's get him over and done with. <laughs> Boy, and he is over and done with, for sure. I mean, if he were half as smart as he thinks he is, he would have stepped down quietly when he had that chance. Yeah, uh, this is turning into a saga, and apparently he <laughs> violated the terms of his bail over the weekend again. Uh, although there's a dispute about that. but um, It's going to turn into an episode of Cops. Yeah, I think it needs to be made into a soap opera quickly. Uh, by the way, passing of Daniel Ellsberg, I heard uh, important uh, person in American history with respect to the uh, the Pentagon Papers revelations yeah. that Richard Nixon, for reasons that still remain unexplained, was obsessed about uh, not having published. I suspect because, uh, just a quick comment on this, Robert McNamara originally commissioned the, quote, Pentagon Papers that were published uh, on June 13th of 1971 by the New York Times as a history of how we got in to Vietnam as a war. So undoubtedly, uh, Nixon was probably concerned about maybe his own role 
of American mischief back in the late 50s that actually preceded uh, any formal ground troops and Gulf of Tonkin resolution and I mean, whatnot. Nixon was so paranoid about this that, you know, even the office of uh, Daniel Elberg's therapist yeah. was broken into. And, uh, and of course, was one of the uh, capers, which I think is a perfect word to describe the infamous man named E. Howard Hunt. Those wacky hijinks. He was uh, wearing a wig and had a something in his shoe that he obtained from the CIA to give himself a limp. <laughs> this was part of his disguise <laughs> as he supervised the burglary of Daniel, Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist. Um, Ellsberg, of course, needless to say, in recent years has been a... Uh, shall we say, ubiquitous as well as omniscient critic of uh, the war in Iraq. Um, for obvious reasons, uh, he learned his lessons. Ron Suskind's book, uh, fascinating stuff, by the way. This book just published last week. I'll probably buy a copy uh, sometime within the next week or two to read this. But uh, to get revelations from high-ranking CIA officials regarding the fact that the Bush administration was told directly by British intelligence in January of 2003 that Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction. Their source for this was the head of Iraqi intelligence that they had basically flipped into a uh, defector. Um, he was eventually set up in Amman, Jordan, with a stipend of $5 million a year, courtesy of the Bush administration, that the Bush administration... Uh, was told this directly by British intelligence before the State of the Union, before the infamous Colin Powell anthrax school report. Anthrax vile, shaking. I'm a shaking boss. My show and tell for today. <laughs> I'm a shaking boss. Yes, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Well, no failure to communicate. Propaganda hysteria and all of the nonsense that followed. Uh, the other explosive revelation in the Ron Suskind book is that um, this man, a man named Habush, that's H-A-B-U-S-H, -H, the coincidence of him having... Uncanny. <laughs> we've been had by Bush, Habush. Maybe that can become a, a new, new uh, phrase, yeah. New expression here in America. Yeah, what are you going to do, Habush? <laughs> Uh, was uh, <clears throat> signed a letter um, in the fall of 2003, uh, w you know, well after the uh, occupation of Iraq had uh, was starting to, shall we say, um, get a little bit ugly. Yeah, deteriorate. Um, he signed a letter supposedly forged on White House stationery, uh, written by the CIA. Suskind has taped interviews. He has documentation on this um, linking Mohammed Atta mm -hmm. to Saddam Hussein and throwing in uranium as well in the, in one letter. It was just uh, too hard to believe, but apparently uh, convenient toadies in the right-wing media globally uh, began publishing this as evidence of a connection between Mohammed Atta, the so-called ringleader of 9-11, and Saddam Hussein. This falsehood was parroted on television repeatedly, now, most notably uh, on Meet the Press several times by Dick Cheney. Indeed. 
Uh, this was one of his, quote, talking points about how, you know, trying to link Saddam Hussein to 9-11. This was a forgery, disinformation, and uh, Susskind, interestingly, wants to hear, you know, have, uh, have Congress have hearings on this matter in which people are called before Congress and uh, subpoenaed and required to testify yeah. under oath. And Susskind's no uh, left-wing uh, sympathizer, certainly. So this has uh, got some explosive revelations. Needless to say, it was interesting to see Condoleezza Rice out on television. She is the current Secretary of State denying this stuff, claiming that it was ridiculous. And uh, on the Fresh Hair interview from last week, I believe it was the Thursday edition, uh, because there were... There was a delay in uh, the interview. It was supposed to be on Wednesday, but I believe if you are really interested in this interview, you can probably podcast this uh, this uh, interview that occurred on Thursday of last week, which would have been the 7th of uh, August, just hours before this uh, incursion, this the, the, the shelling that went on in Georgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, coincidences abound. Um but, yeah, check that out. Uh, just because Susskind appearing on Fresh Air for an hour, you get much more substance of what's in the book, what happened, all the complicated names, and all of the gory details. Condoleezza Rice, needless to say, was pulled out to defend the Bush administration on in the Situation Room. <laughs> Denying it, and of course, you can, from Susskind's interview, you can get the sophisticated non-denial denial that they will, uh, you know, Condoleezza Rice used the word the American government. Right. Which, from what I understand, includes, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of employees and virtually... Well, it also includes things like the post office. Yeah. You know, the entire American government wasn't involved in this. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting characterization. I don't think it was. We think that it was the office, you know, people high up in the White House. Yeah. And that George Tenet... Executive branch. ...complied with this, quote, order, um, not from some apparatchik like <clears throat> Paul Wolfowitz or maybe even Condoleezza Rice mm-hmm. or Fredo Gonzalez, but this came from... Head honcho number one and head honcho number two. Well, check out the Ron Suskind book uh, recently published. Uh, keep your eye on the advertisements, too, if you are watching the Olympics. There's some very strange advertisements. Um, General Electric uh, touting itself as uh, cutting-edge uh, alternative energy you know, uh, powerhouse. You know, this is complete nonsense, and it's a very convenient rewriting of us uh, thirty years of energy uh, policy history in this country. But I finally got to see the McCain uh, Obama ad, uh, the Hillary or uh, the Paris Hilton, and oh, uh, yeah, and uh, this. You know, Roland Barthes, the uh, great. Uh, French literary critic uh, wrote a book called Mythologies in which he explained how images can be used uh, to create false uh, mythologies, uh, ideas, which, such as the uh, linking of Saddam to 9-11. This is a false mythology that was foisted upon us. And uh, sometimes these things take on an accidental mythology uh, that was not even intended by the creators of the image 
combination. And so what you get in this ad, if, if you haven't seen it yet, I know there are many CBN listeners who don't watch a whole lot of uh, commercial TV for good reason, uh, but you get these images of Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and then Obama. Mm-hmm. And the suggestion that's being made in the language, the actual text of the advertisement is that he's a celebrity and he's as superficial as these two kind of bimboids. And, of course, linking him to blonde bimboids that are, quote, American, quote, unquote, sex symbols is right. not accidental. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple different ways to look at this. One is here's these two skanky blonde sex pots <laughs> and a black man. So this is going to play subconsciously to the racists mm-hmm. and the paranoid yep. types. So that's one level at which the advertisement works as a false mythology. And then, of course, there's the idea that uh, the idea of... Uh, a celebrity is uh, not a qualified person. Well, you know, let's face it. Uh, what the, was Ronald Reagan? What was Ronald Reagan? <laughs> and remember the question about uh, the Bush Kerry uh, campaign was, well, which one would you rather hang out and have a beer with? And, mm-hmm. and most Americans said Bush. So tell me that's not a popularity contest. But the, the one unanticipated interpretation of this combination of images here that I came up with, and next time you see this ad, see if if it doesn't really uh, strike a resonance with you, is we've got two women who look like younger versions of McCain's wife. <laughs> and so then you get this this sort of weird, twisted, uh, hidden message that maybe McCain kind of loves Obama <laughs> in a secret way that he can't talk about. Um and and needless to say, McCain later in the week, uh, recently, his wife and him were on a campaign appearance at some rodeo thing, and there was mm-hmm. like a quasi uh, cowgirl, you know, beauty pageant, right. and McCain cracked a joke about his own wife <laughs> being uh, eligible or maybe entering the contest. Very strange stuff indeed, but... Yeah. Uh, Well, one of McCain's advisors uh, says that these advertisements are crystallizing their message and hitting a nerve. Well, I'm not sure what the message is, unless it's one of those dark, hidden messages. Yeah, and needless to say, uh, Britney Spears has come out and endorsed McCain, and Paris Hilton has not. She's called him that wrinkled, white-haired guy. (laughs) Endorsed Obama. Well, we're out of time down here. Uh, Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on... WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's a little after 7 p.m. We'd like to thank Alex for engineering this evening. Take it away, Yazoo.
Go on, on me. 